4: Simpler Communications.
3: To play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at Flex.Fan.
4: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things
2: fantasy.
3: It's time to look ahead... This Wednesday night with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Come, Thank you for tuning in live to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe as you catch all of our content all the time. And you can always check us out on bellyup.tv. If you miss an episode, it's okay. You can check us out on demand on your LG, Roku, Samsung, or newly on your Amazon Fire TV device. When you download the Foxy Network app, look for the bellyup sports TV category. Or just simply stay up to date with the show while you're on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, give us a five-star review because it greatly helps us out so we can be better for you. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got the first half fantasy football preview here tonight like we do every single Wednesday night. And just like we do every single Wednesday night, we got Mr. Brian Scott, the Injured List podcast in the building. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I am pumped. It's week four. Week four is huge in the fantasy football world because this is where we can start to fade away from our last year's data to have to help us make projections because we don't have a big enough sample size. So once this week is over, we can really be fully enthralled and just concentrating on what's happening in 2022. So it's a very exciting week, actually, a very important milestone for your fantasy football leagues and for analysts alike. And, uh, but of course, that also means we're probably getting a little bit more injuries that we have to discuss. And uh, we got a laundry list today. We got a laundry list tomorrow. So, Brian, you know, I just, I think we just, I think we just have to dive into it, man. It's not like there's
0: not much time to waste.
4: Injury inquiries. Oh, Oh,
0: oh. Love it. Um, don't forget week four. Uh, you know, if anybody was placed on IR heading into the season, this is uh, the last week that they'll be, uh, they can, before they can be activated off IR and potentially make it back. So um, I don't have a list of any of those guys, but just keep that in mind. If you have a player that you had maybe drafted or thought about drafting that went on to IR prior to the start of the season, week four, after week four, is when they can now come out. So.
3: Yeah, so guys like Brian Robinson, guys like Jameson Williams, those type of players that you've been holding on to, to see what they become Correct. might be close, closer to being able to see that. Gus Edwards also comes to mind with all the Dobbins news that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. Here's one though. Let's let's kick off the show with the big controversy of the week when it comes to injuries. So Tua looked like he was waddling around like a baby giraffe after that last hit. They come out, they say it was a back injury, it was not a concussion. What did you see? What are you expecting
0: for Thursday? Clearly a concussion, but out of doubt in my mind, um, 100% certain it was. And it's very problematic for the NFL. Uh, the NFLPA is now involved. Apparently, they're doing some type of investigation to see if, in fact, the concussion protocol was followed. And if it was, who's making the determination that he was good to go back on the field? Because he clearly slammed his head, the back of his head into the ground after being shoved uh by the defensive player clearly shook his head several times before getting back up and stumbling back to the huddle um i'm sorry but back injuries don't especially acute back injuries just don't present that way um everything he displayed was classic concussion signs what we call gross motor instability he basically he couldn't Nothing was working. Right, like he stood up, his legs gave out from under him. He fell. He, his orientate. He was disoriented. You could just tell by looking, and that's a clear indication of a concussion. You don't always have to be blacked out, unconscious to be concussed. Uh, you know, it's a very uh, widespread myth. You know, um, the brain right. just has to be shocked, and part of that shock to the brain causes that global motor instability. That that. The body just doesn't respond the way it should. The neurons aren't firing because it's a shock to the brain. And so it was clearly that. Whereas in contrast, Dan, I told you a few minutes ago, I blew my back out yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, And I've been in agony for the last 24 hours. I have not been able to move, let alone get up and have my legs go out on me. In fact, people with back injuries usually are more stiff in their posture. They're more guarded. They can't do anything because the back injury is so severe that they get tight. They get stiff. They, don't, they can't bend or extend. You know, They have a hard time even getting up and walking to begin with. So that whole notion that he injured his back, I think it's hogwash. Um, I think that they probably did not follow the concussion protocol, or I think somebody on their staff, whether it be either their medical team or head coach, basically uh, made the decision based off of purely subjective findings that Tua was reporting to them and did not use any objective measures to make the determination of whether he should go back in the game. And that's a big problem for the NFL, especially with all the steps they've gone to to take care of guys with concussions. I mean, it's just it's just a two steps back kind of thing, and it's not good for the league.
3: Well, yeah, and it's, it's going to be a big story. Not just this week. It's going to be the big story for the next few weeks. As you said, the NFL PA wants an investigation. We'll find out. But what do you think he's going to be? Because, I mean, look, it looks like he's going to play on Thursday night. That That's the way it's trending because they're not listing his concussion. They're saying he's questionable. They're saying he's been limited or an estimation limited in practice with the back injury. We'll see what that entails, but I, I think he's going to play. I mean, what do you think?
0: Yeah, you know, I I kind of feel like they've gone down the road now that they can't turn around, right? Like right. they said, it's a back. They, they completely denied any type of concussion symptoms or injuries. And now they're kind of stuck where they've kind of got to go forward. Otherwise, it really puts a lot of egg in their face. And so we might see him start uh, whether he's going to be the two, you know, that he's been this season. I don't know. I mean, he came back in the second half and played really well. So maybe it was nothing serious. But still, you know, you you have to wonder what he's feeling, how he feels, if there is any lingering symptoms from a concussion, if that's what in fact he had, which I think he did. Um, And uh, it, it puts a bad light on it, you know. And uh, yeah. I, I think he's going to start now. Maybe they'll come up with some fugazi reason as to why he shouldn't start or or maybe they'll put him out there and then pull him and say, oh, something's back of spasming or something. We'll get some you know cockamamie excuse you know, if they take him out early. But uh, they've kind of uh, headed down the road where they kind of got to start him now.
3: But, but just going off that thought right now from your fantasy football roster perspective, if you're thinking about starting a two attack of Lavoa, that's something to keep in mind. There's a real chance that he could get pulled out of this game Whether it is because of the back or whether because he does have a concussion, whatever the case may be, that is an actual possibility that I do think you have to take into consideration. Uh, To move on in this game, Joe Mixon, he got listed with the ankle injury coming out of the game last week. He looks like he's going to be fine, and that that has remained true all the way through. So let's dive into Dalvin Cook and Dalvin Cook's dislocated shoulder that he's going to harness up and somehow play through. But is he out of the woods
0: yet? Well, definitely not. I mean, this is one of the, so uh, some reports have said dislocated. Some reports have said he subluxed his shoulder, which is where the shoulder pops out, but then spontaneously goes back in on its own, like very quickly. Um, But it sounds like he's had a history of this, which is the most concerning part. And that's last year. Yeah. And that's the alarming thing is going, you know, whenever you have the first time dislocation, it exponentially increases the susceptibility of having it again. And when you start getting older and you've had it at a young age to begin with, the likelihood that this will happen with very little trauma is very real, and it, it it leads to chronic shoulder instability. Which at some point, the only way to definitively treat that is usually surgical. Now, can he play through it? Sure. I mean, plenty of guys have have toughed it out and done it wearing um, special shoulder braces and harness things where they you know it really restricts their motion as to prevent that uh, vulnerable spot where the shoulder can pop out. Uh, It's definitely going to limit his ability to catch balls out of the backfield, which in turn may limit his workload. You know, the other thing is when guys like this have these injuries repetitively, they their body almost kind of adapts to it and they kind of get they're not really as painful as you might think once the shoulder kind of reduces itself or is reduced. And so a lot of times right afterwards, they're just feeling like pretty sore, almost like you just got done with a tough workout at the gym. So they don't really have like the traditional pain in a sense. And so a lot of times they are able to play through it. The, but the problem becomes the the long term sequelae of that. You know, are you causing the shoulder to become chronically unstable to the point where he's going to need surgery? And the it's not a question sometimes of if it's when. And right. it, can he make it through? You know, the next four twelve weeks. You know with this thing the way it is, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough.
3: If I was going to bet on anybody to be able to do it, it would be Dalvin Cook, because he just had a history of being able to play through these things in the past. What about Michael Thomas, though? He gets a toe injury. It's not the same foot that he's been dealing with, so I guess that's the good news. But what do you think yeah. his prognosis is for this week?
0: Well, it, uh, it doesn't look good, because uh, apparently he didn't do anything today uh, and was undergoing some more testing. Originally, they reported that it was a foot injury, but now they're saying toe Um, You always worry about turf toe injuries. Those are pretty significant, especially in football players. Um, And they're traveling to London, if I'm not mistaken, this weekend to play the Vikings. So they're going to be really limited with their practice time. I think they're leaving either Thursday or Friday to head over and then they're probably just going to have a quick walkthrough or light practice Saturday. So there really doesn't lead much time for him to get ready if it is a significant injury. So it's going to be one of those things, uh, you know, if, uh, unless the MRI comes back and shows some major damage, it might be like a true game time decision. Okay, keep your eyes on that. Remember, that is the London game, so that will be early on the East Coast at
3: 9.30 in the morning. Uh, Alex just asked me a question during the show. A guy wants wants Goddard and McKenzie. He's willing to give me T. Higgins. Yeah, just pull the trigger on that deal, Alex. Don't even think twice about it, and uh, I wish I could play in your league. Uh, quick, <laughs> quick mention of Jarvis Landry. He got a little bit banged up. He's less so than Michael Thomas, but also yeah. somebody we're going to have to watch throughout the week. Let's move on to Dalton Schultz. So he stayed out last week. They gave him the rest, but he does come back to practice today. Him and Michael Gallup looking like they might suit up for this week. So what's your prognosis for those two players?
0: Well, don't forget they played Monday night. So it was pretty much a walkthrough today. really wasn't worth anything. Um, So not much as far as Dalton Schultz goes, did he do? So I'm not really sure if he's going to be coming back. You really got to pay attention to what he does the next couple of days here. Gallup now has been practicing full. And, you know, he's into like his, I think, second or third week now of full practice. Um, it, it, and he was actually quoted as saying it's, it's not physical, it's just mental now. So this could be really, you know, up to him. Uh, it could just be whenever he feels comfortable. He, he probably has got the green light from the, the medical team. And uh, it might just be a matter of him pulling the trigger, which, you know, could be game time decision. Um, but uh, he's been practicing full, hasn't had any setbacks from what we, I've read. Um, I, I think he's more likely to probably suit up and play. Uh, than Dalton Schultz is just because there's a limited time that Dalton's going to have to get ready.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Buddy 75 asked Pierce, Singletary, or Cam Akers at the flex this given week, assuming half-point PPR, which is what I do my rankings based off of. I do have Pierce one spot ahead of Devin Singletary this week. I'm not counting on Singletary to get the same kind of workload that he just did, so I'm banking on Pierce as a more solid floor uh, how about DeAndre Swift in his
0: shoulder? Dan Campbell, are you kind of talking like eh, he might be out till after the bye? Yeah, that's what it sounded like. And I'm kind of surprised by that. Um, it sounds like he also might have re-aggravated the ankle that he was dealing with, too, yeah, though. And I think that might be the reason why they keep him out through the bye, if that's what they're planning on doing. If it was just a shoulder, uh, maybe a week or two, he could probably play through it, too, if if he felt like he could. But when you throw the ankle in it and, you know, Dan Campbell was like, oh, he's, he's pretty banged up and started talking about how the uh, backup running back's uh, by committee, he was very impressed with them, and they probably would do a, a good job in uh, Swift's absence. Then factor in that they have a bye week, week six, which is coming up very quick. Um, he, it didn't sound too promising that he's going to play.
3: No, no, it did. It did not at all. I would already make other plans. Jamal Williams was a top waiver wire ad for those leagues that already had him, and I would, I would plan on look Swift being not being back in your lineups until week seven. I think it's a real possibility here. The Lions looking at this from the long haul. Swift is a guy who gets banged up. It's just something that happens. It's why he's not a true workhorse back. But we know how great he is when he's in there. So keep him there. But you're going to have to look for other options heading into week seven, I believe, just just to play it safe. What about St.
0: Brown on the same team? He picks up an ankle injury. We don't know about him this week. Yeah, so he got injured in the game but played through it. He actually went to the medical tent. They evaluated him. Apparently they taped it up. And he actually played and he did admit that he did play in pain and it was hurting him and then stiffened up on him uh, the day after. Um, But, you know, this is a guy that never missed a game in college, hasn't missed a game in the NFL. And um, we'll see how he does the rest of the week. He didn't practice today, probably more of a precautionary thing, but he's got a few days to kind of get back into it and do some limited practice. Um, Probably conditioning for him is not an issue, so he might not need a full practice under his belt to make it game day. Um, but could be a game-time decision. I would keep a close eye on what he does during the rest of the week here.
3: David Montgomery, they came out right away and said he was day-to-day, before, barely before that game was even over, even though it looked
0: nasty as hell. Yeah. What what are you thinking? Well, he got rolled up on it. There was some speculation that he might have injured his knee as well, but the team is only reporting an ankle injury. Um, could be kind of like a mild high ankle sprain, which if that's the case, I don't expect him to be in there this week. And, you know, day to day to me tells me that it's really up in the air. He didn't practice at all today, so no, not um, at all. he's only got a few days left to get ready. And if it's if it is anything like a high ankle sprain, which the mechanism kind of, uh, rep, you know, looked very much like it, then I wouldn't expect him in this weekend. So just keep that in mind as well. If you picked up Cleo Herbert, please make sure you have him ready.
3: Uh, Darius, Tony, Wandale Robinson. So I, I wouldn't even talk about these two guys, but now it's still in Shepard out. There's a vacancy at the wide receiver position for the Giants. So trying to figure out these guys, when they can return with Tony with the hamstring and Wondell Robinson with the knee issue.
0: Dan, I wish I knew I'm a giant fan and I'm probably more <laughs> frustrated than anybody because, uh, you know, I don't even know what Wondell Robinson's knee injury is like they just keep saying, no, knee they still injury. haven't said what it is. Yeah. I don't know what the details of it are, but he's been out now two plus weeks. And then Tony, you know, he's been dealing with this hamstring thing going back even I think to the preseason. So it's like, geez, man, Let's get it right, like, and then you know throw Sterling Shepard under the under the bus there with his ACL, and uh, it looks like our top two receivers are uh, uh, Richie um, Richie James name? and David Richie Sills. James and Sills. <laughs> yeah, because Gallup can't catch. Uh, not Gallup. I'm sorry, Gallup. They can't catch. <laughs> so
3: yeah, that was brutal. That was. I mean, look, he's a guy. You probably can't train him because of his contract, but.
0: Man, oh man, it looks like Brian Dable does not want him on the roster at all. <laughs> and, and Dable didn't express much optimism in either Robinson or Tony coming back this week. Nope, he did not. And neither of them practiced today, so <laughs> I, I don't know. We're going to talk about Richie
3: James later on in the show, and it could, be, it could be an interesting week there for Richie James heading into this match against Chicago. But Brian, tell everybody where to follow you at, what you got coming up this week, man, and what it's always wonderful to have you.
0: Yeah, so uh, uh, well, I'll be back tomorrow night, as you uh, you as all you know, know um, doing the injury report for the second half of the weekend games. And then uh, Sunday morning, I'm on another uh, belly-up uh, show doing some last-minute injury updates as well. And then, obviously, you can find me at Twitter, which is where I'm most active, at host Brian Scott. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, the Injured List podcast. You can check out my website, theinjuredlist.com. And then uh, Andrew Leduc and I have an article coming out to, probably tomorrow. Uh, As well, uh, looking at some injury and fantasy uh, players um, um, heading into the weekend. So you can see that on the Belly Up Fantasy uh, website. Look forward to it, guys. Make sure you check him out on the Injured List podcast.
3: Brian, we'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you so much for coming on. Sounds good. We'll see you then. All right. That was, again, Brian Scott at host. Brian Scott, make sure you give him a follow on social media. So, we got a big jam packed show for you guys here today. So, let's not waste any time and dive right into our obvious starters to boot. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. As always, the first segment, we got four matchups that we talk about until the bye weeks. I mean, we're talking all of 16 games all the time because we don't, you know, nobody's taking off right now. The first four games, we got the Thursday night game Miami Dolphins, the Cincinnati Bengals. Then we got the Minnesota Vikings and New Orleans Saints in our first London game of the year. Remember, we got a Germany game this year, actually, too. Uh, so kind of keep that in mind. There's going to be some wonkiness in some of the scheduling with that. We got Cleveland against Atlanta. And then we have Washington against Dallas. Those are the four first four games we're going to be talking about in today's show. Of course, we got four more matchups for you in the second half of the show Ask your questions throughout the episode. We'll also have a mailbag segment here at the end. So to get to our obvious starters of these matchups, well, we didn't have any quarterback obvious starters of these four, these four matchups, but we do have some running backs. So first up, we got Joe Mixon coming in, and he is an obvious starter. I know it hasn't been great. I know he's coming back off a of Sunday where he got knocked out of the game. But like we said, and Brian, you know, confirmed, We expect Joe Mixon to be fully able to go against the Dolphins tomorrow night, and it doesn't sound like he's really that hindered on it. It was more of a precautionary measure to take him out of that game when they had the Jets well in hand with Samajah Perrine. Yes, he's been the RB 16 in half-point PPR leagues to this point, but here's the good news on Joe Mixon. He has dominated the touches, not just the carries, but he's dominated the routes run. He's dominated touches in two-minute drill. He's dominated in third and long, down and distance. So basically what that means is Joe Mixon is a true workhorse back who's been putting in every opportunity to be able to be that guy, to be the guy. He's actually doing more work so far through this season and has had more opportunities than he had this point last year when he finishes the RB3. Because remember, Samaja Perrine was kind of cutting into his two-minute drill work, his third down and distance work. He was there. He hasn't been there for the first three weeks. It's been all Joe Mixon. So if you can buy low on a Joe Mixon before tomorrow night, I would go ahead and try to do so because the usage is there. We know the talent is there. That offensive line, while it's not great, will get better. And I have more confidence in that offensive line from a run-blocking perspective than I do a pass-blocking perspective, unfortunately, for Joe Burrow. My other obvious starter is Nick Chubb. Because, well, he's been the RB1 for obvious reasons. You can't keep the guy in the end zone. He looks absolutely fantastic. And that won't change again this week. Our obvious starters at the wide receiver position for these matchups. Justin Jefferson. Yes, he's still an obvious starter. I've gotten a ton of questions this week about Justin Jefferson. And do I trade him? Do I I sell him off for like two good starters? Or whatever the case may be. Look. There's only one other guy who can touch Cooper Cup on a week-in, week-out basis. And I know it's been rough weeks two and weeks three for Justin Jefferson. We haven't seen the you know the great prolific action that we got to see in week one since then. But he's the only other guy who can come close on a week-to-week basis. The only other one. Sure, some weeks there'll be this guy here or this guy there. But for, for throughout the entire season, Justin Jefferson is an elite tier. Look at the running back situation. What's going on there? The top two players in fantasy that are not quarterbacks very well may be Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. So unless you're getting a King's ransom, which you won't because, again, he's a sell low, or I'm sorry, a buy low right now, don't move on from him. On the other hand, if you're MD Nation, you're in a league, and you want to try to get him, send a package out there. Maybe a team needs a running back. You pair them up with one of your better wide receivers. You see what happens. See if people are panicking after two weeks and after a really bad week this past week. Not to mention, it's the perfect scenario because you have the Saints, the tough matchup this week upcoming, where it's no guarantee gets to go off this week. So if he gets held in check, you have that looming over an owner's head, especially maybe they're 1-2, and maybe they're 0-3 right now. Those are situations you want to be vigilant on and taking advantage of throughout the season. But what about Tyree Kill? Now, I, I, Tyree Kill has to be in your lineups, plain, plain and simple. Am I a little bit nervous, and we'll talk about this with Waddle too, am I a little bit nervous if Tua is not Tua because there's speculation about what his injury truly is? Is it the back? Is it the head?
1: Well there, you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions
2: apply. See website for details. It's winter time. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.
3: This could lapse into tomorrow night's overall production, especially for the wide receivers. But for now, we have to assume two is able to go. We have to assume he's able to close to himself. You have to play play Tyreek Hill as an obvious starter. And Jamar Chase. I know he's got a tougher match. Obviously, you're playing him. But Xavier Howard, uh, I know that the Dolphins have a good pass rush. And that can bother the Bengals' offense. I know Chase himself, kind of like Jefferson, hasn't been tremendous the past two weeks with T. Higgins back in the lineup. But he's still an obvious starter. And again, everything I said about Jefferson also applies to Jamar Chase. Buy low on him if you can. If you're part of MD Nation and you have him, Don't panic. There's no reason to. And then we don't have any obvious starters at the tight end position. So let's go ahead to our lock them in. Lock them
4: in. It's a lock.
3: Lock in Joe Burrow. I wasn't sure about this at first. When I first was putting together the outline, I didn't think I was going to have Joe Burrow as a necessarily lock them in type of quarterback. But I do have him as a top 12 player, which makes him a starter. And I don't just have him as a top 12 player. I have him as a top five player this week. Now, part of this, part of this, just to be clear here, is due to the fact that the quarterback position as a whole is just, is just bad. Like, it looks like the tight end position right now where it's so top heavy and then everybody else is like the same. That's what it looks like right now. You can take advantage of this Dolphins team. I am a little bit concerned that the Dolphins, if they're able to apply pressure to Joe Burrow, the way that they did to Josh Allen. Burrow's going to be some real trouble because we've seen the past two weeks. Look, he was was QB 11 the first two weeks because, well, teams were able to get pressure on him and make it really, really difficult for him to be able to put up the fantasy points that he needs. Last week, what happened? He played the Jets. The Jets don't have a pass rush. He only gets sacked twice. He's a top five fantasy quarterback. He will be under pressure against the Dolphins. Hopefully... Zach Taylor will do something to help out his quarterback, knowing that his offensive line is not necessarily up to the task and scheming ways to beat blitz packages. When you have two prolific receivers, actually three, really Tyler Boyd, Chase, Jamar chase and T Higgins. There's really no reason not to figure out a way to beat the blitz. I do think this game does have a chance to be high scoring. So Joe Burrow this week is a lock Him in as a top five quarterback for me. And that's, feel a little ballsy about that one, but I'm sticking with it. Let's talk about our running backs. We talked about Dalvin Cook. Brian, not sure if he'll be able to go, but does say, look, there's a legitimate possibility that he can. I know he's got a tough matchup against the Saints. Listen, if Dalvin Cook is available, he is playing as your RB1. I got as my RB11 coming into this week. No, it's not an ideal situation. No, it's not an ideal matchup. Nonetheless, if you have Dalvin Cook, he has to be in your lineups. Period. Don't overthink it. Don't get cute. It's the biggest thing I can tell you guys. And another guy who, by the way, I would 100% buy low on if given the opportunity. Now, hopefully, if you have Dalvin Cook, you've listened listened to me over the past few weeks before the injury, and you already had picked up Alexander Madison as part of the MD Nation group. In which case... You're good. You know you're good. If you don't have Dalvin, then you got Madison. You don't have to worry about it. Kamara's the guy I want to talk about in this group. So uh, he's also a lock him in for me. Another guy, which the running back position in general has been brutal. Another guy where it it has not been pretty. But I do have him at RB7 on the week. It's a nice matchup for him. Unlike Dalvin, it's a nice matchup for Kamara here against Minnesota. I really thought Kamara looked good last week. I, I rewatched that game. He looked explosive when the hole was there. He looked Kamara-ish. He didn't look 100% Kamara-ish. There were certain movements that you could tell. he just had a little bit of pain because of the rib injury. I'm I'm going to keep screaming it to the rooftops, and, and maybe I'm just trying to manifest this to make it happen to the universe. I don't know. But Pete Carmichael, James Winston has a broken back, in case you didn't know. I know that. You must know that. One of the, one of the good ways to help out your quarterback is, Who's afraid to get hit right now, and rightfully so, is to dump it down to one of the most prolific pass-catching running backs in the history of the NFL. I'm just saying, eventually that logic, that light bulb has to go off. Kamara will eventually get involved. And possibly this week, if you know Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are not able to go, then they may get their hand forced. But regardless, I think Kamara can put up an RB1-like game this week because of the matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm also locking in Kareem Hunt. Look, is he a top 12 guy? No. But is he a top 24 guy? Is he a RB2? Absolutely. Kareem Hunt should be in your lineups every single week. I know Nick Chubb has been getting a lot of touchdowns as of late. That can easily go back to Kareem Hunt. We've seen that happen. There aren't too many other running backs out there, especially in in a Cleveland Brown situation where it's, you know, he's technically the backup running back, but he's solidified in what his role is going to be. He's solidified in the volume that he's going to get. And he has a little bit of upside because he is a guy who can score. He is a guy who's going to catch the ball more than Nick Chubb is going to. Kareem Hunt needs to be locked into your lineups as an RB2. Don't overthink it. I'm tired of getting Kareem Hunt questions every single week. Play him. If you got him, you drafted him for this reason play them. I got a question coming in here and thank you for your question. Ethan, I did a trade for Chubb, Mike Williams, and Antonio Gibson by giving away Nick Chubb and Brandon Cooks. Okay, so you gave away Nick Chubb and Brandon Cooks to get Mike Williams and Antonio Gibson. If I'm understanding that correctly, and you can comment back in if I'm not, that was a bad trade by you. Yeah, that, that was a bad trade by you. Look, there's no reason you should have been giving up Nick Chubb, not let alone another top 20 receiver for a wide receiver three in Mike Williams. Okay, we're, we're getting clarification, everybody. I was going to say that that makes that makes a little bit more sense. My fault. He said my fault meant Alvin Kamara. So he did a trade. He said he did Alvin Kamara for Nick Chubb, Brandon Cooks, and you also got Mike Williams and Antonio Gibson, I'm I'm assuming here. That's a little bit better than what it would have been. I still would not have done the deal. I trade away Kamara and Cooks. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. And you got Nick Chubb. All right, so guess what? Good job, Ethan. (laughs) We're backpedaling this thing all the way, baby. Good job then. Yes, you got Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, look, he's just on another planet right now. He's playing on another level. The offensive line for Cleveland, last year they underperformed a little bit. This hasn't been the case this season. And Deshaun Watson coming there, even if they pass it a little bit more, the presence of Deshaun Watson will make the offense better. It'll make Nick Chubb better. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Good job, Ethan. And uh sorry if I read that incorrectly the first couple of times. <laughs> we'll get better, don't worry. Uh, getting back to my lock them ins. I'm also locking in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard this week. That's right. So what we saw Monday night and what we've seen trending that way since week one, right? Because week one, it was a debacle what was going on with Dallas. We've seen more of a 50-50 overall split, not necessarily in carries or just carries, not necessarily just in targets, but an overall 50-50 split moving closer and closer to that mark with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. We saw what that could do in a good match against the Giants on, on Monday night. Both guys did well. Zeke got touchdown. He got 73 yards. Pollard went over 100 yards from scrimmage. Do you want both of them to get more involved in the passing game? Yeah, sure. And there's going to be games where they do that. Washington could be that game. But even if not, Washington is very similar to the Giants in how good of a matchup it is for running backs on the ground. So here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to play Zeke and play Tony Pollard as low in RB2s, lock them into your lineups, at least in your flex position for this week. That's not always going to be the case but I would be that would be the case for me this upcoming week. Let's dive into some of the lock them in wide receivers for these matchups that we're talking about here. So, at the top of the list, Jalen Waddle. I am locking him in, but I am not as high on him as the consensus for this week. So, Jalen Waddell popped up on the injury report with a groin injury, which we don't really know what the significance of that injury is quite yet. Again, their estimation reports, it sounds like he's going to play, so it can't be overly serious. But between that and the injury to Tua, which has a lot of question marks surrounding it, it just feels like an uneasy situation. Is Waddle definitely in my lineup? Yeah, again, he's that wide receiver 18. He's definitely in your lineup. No matter what format you're in, he's at least your wide receiver 2. I just would not be expecting the big boom games, though the top 10 wide receiver games that he's been giving you over the past three weeks necessarily when you're going to move around your roster. The good news is that this is a Thursday night game. So you're going to already know what you're getting out of waddle before you have to make the rest of your lineup decisions come Sunday. That's the good news. Getting another question here, Richard Hernandez. I have a one to two record. I need to make a move. I traded Kelsey, DJ Moore, and AJ Dylan for AJ Brown, Zach Ertz and Kareem hunt. And my thoughts on the matter. It's fine. It, it, it's fine. I, I don't know how I feel about trading Travis Kelsey, being that him and Mark Andrews are such an advantage at the position right now. But I understand wanting to get out from under DJ Moore and AJ Dillon for Kareem Hunt. I feel like that's a wash. You got two guys who are both RB2s, mostly speaking. If you play maybe in a half point, full point PPR league, maybe it's a little bit more Kareem Hunt's way right now. AJ Brown's a great wide receiver. Of course. But I don't know if he makes up for the difference between Travis Kelsey. So I think that's a fair deal. But I don't know if you got that much better off that deal necessarily. Moving on and getting back to our wide receivers that lock him in. You're locking in T. Higgins. He's been great. Other than getting the the concussion injury in week one, he's been fantastic. You plug him in. He's a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. The only other note I have on T. Higgins is, Watch the concussions. He took a big lick on Sunday. He was just getting dumped the concussion from a couple of weeks ago. I'm just hoping that's something that doesn't rear its ugly head at some point this season. But for now, you feel confident in firing him up. How about Amari Cooper? Let's talk about him for a second. So I was nervous coming into the season with Jacoby Brissett being the quarterback, and I think that's rightfully so. And then week one happened. 11 targets of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Amari Cooper's not even targeted. Now it's like, oh, man, now he's not even get the volume on top of it. But then the last two weeks, a huge course correction from Jacoby Percet. Now Amari Cooper goes for 100 yards and a touchdown each of the last two weeks. By the way, he looks way better than he did in Dallas just from the eye test. Overall strength, explosiveness, he just looks physically better than what he did with Dallas last season. Whether he's healthier now or whatever the case may be, he just does. Jacoby Percet, him course correcting from week one, I don't think that goes away. Now, I'm not saying that means Amari Cooper's going to get 100 yards and a touchdown every single week, because if that's actually what I thought, that I'd be saying Amari Cooper's a top-five receiver the rest of the way, and that's not what I'm saying. But as you lock him in wide receiver two right now, yes, absolutely, 100%. The same thing goes for Drake London, who's been phenomenal. Even in a game in which they finally got back to getting the ball to Kyle Pitts, Drake London still could not be denied and gets into the end zone. He's going to be a top twenty-four receiver for me the rest of the way. He's twenty-three for me for this week. You're firing up Drake London, period. And then we got CD Lamb. Everyone who has CD Lamb has to breathe, has to breathe a sigh of relief. Has to. We weren't sure what was going to happen. When Cooper Rush takes over. What were we going to get? It looked so bad just with Dak in Week One. What were you we going to see? It's probably two things here. One, it's a good reminder that week one is week one. Week one is not a reflection of the entirety of the season. And that includes when Dak Prescott comes back from his injury. I don't expect him to be as bad as we saw in week one. It also shows you that C.D. Lamb, no matter who the quarterback, no matter what the situation, is going to be the highly targeted guy That I expected him to be, and why I ranked him at wide receiver six. I had CeeDee Lamb projected this season for 140 to 150 targets. That is going to happen. So from that standpoint, while right now, CeeDee Lamb on a week-to-week basis might be more of a wide receiver two, he will be a wide receiver one at some point this year. And I actually have him at wide receiver seven this week because you're playing against a commander's team, which is dreadful in the secondary, he could have a big week. Remember, on Monday night, if you missed the game, had he just caught a wide-open bomb, we would have been talking about CeeDee Lamb having 150 yards and two touchdowns coming off the Monday night game. So I think you have to feel pretty good about that. Richard Hernandez with a really great question. Richie, Richie James or Romeo Dobbs in the flex this week? Fantastic question. It's Dobbs if you're in half point PPR leagues for me. It's Richie James if it's full point PPR, because I think Richie James might just get peppered. But because Daniel Jones isn't isn't throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage right now, remember Shepard had ten targets the last two games in a row, really didn't have much to show for it because he's just not going down the field with anybody. So that's how I would that's how I differentiate in my rankings right now. I have Dobbs ahead in half point PPR, but I do have Richie James ahead. In full point PPR, depending upon what format you're playing there. Thank you for the question. Let's, oh, we got uh, in our, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is our last lock him in tight end. He is really good. He got back involved last week. Look at the tight end situation. And unless you had a chance to have Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, you should be thanking your lucky stars. You have Kyle Pitts because it's dreadful out there and he's still locking him in as a number one tight end option or as a top 10 tight end option. I should say, let's move into our lookout for, for these matchups in our first segment, Lookout for. So our lookout for segment is packed with this, with these four matchups that we're talking about. Again, the Monday night game, of the Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals, the Minnesota Vikings-Saints-London game, the Browns-Atlanta game, and the Washington Commanders against the Dallas Cowboy game. A lot of people in my lookout for, a lot of guys were teetering on, on which direction we can go to. So we're going to have to get through this a little bit more rapid fire here. So let's get into the lookout for quarterbacks, and that comes to of Lavoa right off the bat. So I have him right now as my QB 13 on the week. And I had to get him outside of my top twelve. So people were are are constantly asking you this week so far, you know, do I do I play to it? Do I play to it? Do I play to it? Here's the interesting note, and this isn't just because of the injury, Just cause because of some other things too. Week one, he was the quarterback twenty six. Week three, this past week, he was the quarterback twenty two. Okay. It's only week two that he was a top five quarterback that week, and it was really off of one quarter where the Baltimore Ravens, I still can't figure out what defense they were playing. Tua has a long way to go before we're trusting him as a top-end quarterback option week in, week out. And there's a lot of people who are asking me questions about you know, trades involving both for and trading away Tua. And all I can sit there and say is that he does not have as much value as his price tag is getting put on right now. So in in that notion, if you have Tua Tagalivoa, sell high. Because what I've seen around the industry, what I've seen around the fans, sell high on Tua because his price tag is a lot higher than what his value actually is at this moment. Remember, Jimmy G could support fantasy, very high-end fantasy-relevant wide receivers without being a very high-end fantasy quarterback himself. Tua shows me that. He very much reminds me of Jimmy G in a lot of ways. Don't get overblown in the hype, especially this week where we don't actually know the health of Tua Tagovailoa heading into the week. So I don't have him as a top 12 option. I will not start him. We got Kirk Cousins who falls into this. And uh, look, I don't want to play Cousins this week if I can help it. I got my QB 16. It makes it my mid-level QB 2. That generally speaking would mean you are a streaming option for me. But I don't love the matchup against the Saints. I don't know. I have to check with somebody. Maybe I'll ask Chris tomorrow if we consider London to be a primetime matchup or not. Because if it is, then we know that, you know, we definitely can't trust Kirk Cousins in that case. But there's just, this isn't the game for me to harp on Cousins turning the whole thing around. So if I have other options, I'm going to want to head in that direction. Jameis Winston. Now, Winston's a little trickier for me. I do have him as my number 12 quarterback on the week. No, I'm not thrilled that we have to deal with his back injury and that, you know, he's obviously hobbled from that injury to some degree. But it's the Minnesota Vikings who have been horrendous on defense so far this season, especially in the secondary. Even if Michael Thomas is out, Chris Olave is enough with the Kamara and some of the other weapons they have available to them with the matchup, that Jameis Winston can still be a high-end streaming option this particular week. So I do have Winston as a top-12 quarterback for the week. Now, if, if Landry and Thomas are both out, then I will probably bring him down before Sunday. So make sure you check back at the com website where you can find my rankings at in the first place to see if I've updated them upon the news and where I have him at. Marcus Mariota. So Marcus Mariota has been a guy who's been a consistent high-end streaming option for me. He's had a safe floor, and I think he's delivered on that for the most part. I do have him as a QB 14 heading into this matchup. Now, it's not a very good matchup on paper against Cleveland, but Jadavian Clowney is still not practicing, so we don't know if he's going to play. And unfortunately, due to the car accident that Miles Garrett finds himself in, they haven't ruled him out. But there's a chance he doesn't play this week. So if both those guys are out, I do think Marcus Mariota returns to a streaming option at the very least. But I'm not as bullish on him as I had been, you know, previously, like like against Seattle last week. And then our last lookout for quarterback is Carson Wentz. I told you guys, do not play him last week. I had him well outside my top 12, and him was a mid-to-low-end QB2. It was a bad matchup for him against the Eagles. It's not a great matchup for him against Dallas this week either. Now, it's better than it was against Philly. But Dallas' defense is playing on another level. I thought we'd see some regression due to some of the personnel moves they made on that defensive side of the ball. All we have seen is a defense that has great chemistry already and has came out of the gate firing Dallas is two and one, not because Cooper rush was able to hold down the fort, but because their defense is playing great football right now. And they're going to get a lot of pressure and generate a lot of turnovers this week against Carson Wentz. I would not play Wentz. If you have other options to be able to turn to here, we go. We got a Jefferson. We got a Jefferson trade question. Trade Jefferson for Chubb and Tyreek. Now, yes, that is a deal I would do. Why would I do that deal after I told you guys to not sell Jefferson? You're not selling low. So ye or ye, however you want me to say that. Yes, that's a deal I do. Why? You're getting an RB1. You're getting a wide receiver one in return for Justin Jefferson. That's a different story. And we got our second question, Adam Weber. Jimmy G or Trevor Lawrence this week? It is Trevor Lawrence for me this week between those two players. Getting back at it, let's get to the running backs here. My lookout for running backs, the Dolphins tandem right off the bat. Don't chase Chase Edmonds. Don't chase those touchdowns. There's no reason for it. He had six carries for 21 yards besides those two touchdowns. Now, if you're a Chase Edmonds owner and it's been a little bit bleak over the past few weeks and you're looking for a silver lining, yeah. Him getting the work in the goal line, definitely a silver lining. But Raheem Mostert still outsnapped him and actually ran just as many routes as Chase Edmonds did. So the whole hang our hat on the whole thing of Chase Edmonds is going to be better in the passing game, more utilized in the passing game. Well, playing time wise, that really wasn't the case last week. It's a true 50 50 committee right now between Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. And until one guy emerges, I don't know how comfortable I am playing either one of these guys in my lineups. I'm going to keep rolling where he in my DFS lineups just because he's got the big playability. But in redraft leagues, dynasty leagues, if I have other options, I'm pivoting to it. What about Cordell Patterson? All right, he was my lock him in last week. I hit on that. I was very happy about that. This week, I do have him, of course, as an RB2. Look, he's RB4 on the year, so it's going to be hard not to play Cordell Patterson. This kind of goes back to the Marcus Mariota point I made a little while ago, though. I wanna see who's playing for Cleveland.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office
3: Is Javion Clowney still out? Is Miles Garrett going to miss? If so, Cordo Patterson is a lock Him in RB2. And he'd get promoted from this list. If they're both playing, given the just natural hit or miss nature of the usage of Patterson to this point so far, plus a tough matchup, he would be in that bottom line RB2 high end RB3 territory for me. So probably still making your lives as a flex play but you may have more options in that territory that maybe you're deciding from. So that's why he's my lookout for segment this week when I locked him in last week. And then Washington backfield, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, full point PPR. If you're looking for an emergency flex play, I think you can throw JD McKissick this week. because I do believe the commanders are going to have to come back from behind at some point for Gibson. You're hoping for a touchdown. He got you a touchdown last week. But since week one, it hasn't been pretty. I am doing everything in my power if I'm an Antonio Gibson owner to sell him before this Sunday because Brian Robinson very well may be back by week five and then any value he would have had goes out the window. So if you're going to sell Antonio Gibson, I think doing it before this Sunday is the last one to go through. Adam Weber saying he thinks Madison is an RB2 lock even if Cook is cleared. I disagree. Cook's already shown that if he is cleared with the harness, he'll he be good to go. He had a full workload last year. I don't think there's going to be a situation where Madison gets mixed in enough to the point where he's a top 24 running back. That has not been their history. Let's go to the wide receivers and look out for her. Noah Brown. That's, there's a name we got to talk about. What about Noah Brown? So I know this week is supposed to be the week Michael Gallup returns, but he's not going to return on a full-time basis. It's still going to be on a snap count. They want to see how he reacts. Noah Brown, even when Gallup's out there, is going to be the third receiver, and he's had a rapport with Cooper Rush to this point and has looked very good. This isn't a guy I want to be aggressive about, but I think he still deserves to be on your flex radar, especially in full-point PPR leagues, in a matchup like this against Commanders in particular. So don't sleep get on Noah Brown. And in fact, he's probably widely available because people are getting ready for Michael Gallup to return. Adam Thielen. He's in, in the absence of Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen has been decent so far over the last two games. He got back to being targeted week two. He got a touchdown last week in week three. It's still not a great matchup. But if Marshawn Lattimore does shadow Justin Jefferson which we think is a possibility of happening, then Adam Thielen will be the guy who will have the mismatch on the other side. He's he's what he's always been to me. He's a low-end wide receiver three that you're hoping for a touchdown for. But this is a game in which I think you can play him as such, and I'm not going to leave him on my bench. And then we got the whole same situation there at the wide receiver position. Tough to gauge until we know exactly what's going on with the injuries, Right now, I got Chris Olave at 28. I got Michael Thomas at 29. Jarvis Landry's not somebody you're playing anyway. Chris Olave will move up inside my top 24 if Michael Thomas cannot go. You love the matchup against the Vikings, first and foremost. And then, although he's already been the most targeted receiver of the Saints to this point anyway, you especially love it if there's not going to be a Michael Thomas in his way in the red zone to go along with the fact that Winston has been taking shots on a regular basis to Olave over the past couple of weeks. So Olave is somebody I'm definitely looking to play in my lineups this week as a top 30 wide receiver. And Thomas, we just have to wait and see the injury. If he does go, I think you're still playing Thomas as a wide receiver three. We get to the Washington running backs. Look, again, I'm going to stress this. They're going to have to come back from behind. What we have seen so far... Out of Washington is that Curtis Samuel is the high-targeted guy. Terry McLaurin is still the man. He's still the number one. They're still going to look for him. I'm not going to back off that. And remember, with Trayvon Diggs, he's not the—he's a great corner, but he's not a corner you're afraid of if you have a wide receiver going up against him. He will let up that big play. Something Terry McLaurin does pretty well. The guy who I'm out on this week, although you're not dropping, I want to make sure I make that clear, but I'm out on Jahan Dotson. What he's shown you for the first three weeks is that he's touchdown dependent even though he plays the second most to Terry McLaurin on snaps and routes run throughout the game and on two receiver sets, he's not carving it up. He's not getting the targets of a Curtis Samuel. He's not getting the yardage of Terry McLaurin. He has to score touchdowns in order to give you back his value. I think there's other options you can go with. If you're looking at Dotson, possibly as a flex play, I would not this week, but I am playing the other two guys, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. Let's move into our tight ends, our, our lookout for tight ends. So David Ajoku makes the list two weeks he's forgotten about, and then last week he blows up. Now, is this a course correction for Kobe Brissett, like we saw with Amari Cooper after week one? Or is this just one in a long line of history games for David Ojoku where he blows up and then disappears on us entirely? I don't know the answers to that yet. Here's what I can tell you. Last week, Harrison Bryant did not show up on the box score. And that's what led to David Njoku getting the targets and leading the way. But he was out there on the field just as much. And in fact, actually had more snaps last week than he did the other two weeks. So, David Harrison Bryant didn't go anywhere. It just, Jacoby Brissett finally just threw the ball to David Njoku. Because of that, I need to wait one more week. I got to know, okay, did Brissett actually make the course correction? Did Safansky make the course correction in his play calling to feature David Njoku? Or was it just happenstance that Njoku was getting open and Brissett went his way as a result to that? Because Harrison Bryant didn't play less. So something to watch out on. I do have Njoku as somebody you can stream this week because the tight end position, if you get anybody with a pulse, you can stream them. So of course he's on that radar. He's a top 16 tight end for me. But I'm not ready to lock him in as a top 12 guy just yet. I got to see another game. Hayden Hurst is somebody we talked about. Deep league, sleeper option, low-end tight end two. Logan Thomas, he still hovers around that low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two area for me. That doesn't change with Dallas here. And then Dalton Schultz. We have Brian talk about Schultz a little bit. Still a little bit shaky about him being able to go this week. If he can, he would bump up into my high-end tight end two territory. And if you drafted him as a top six guy, like a lot of people had him ranked at, including myself, you may not have a better option to turn to. We'll have to see how that plays out. That does it for the lookout for, guys. Let's get into our be cautious of for these matchups.
4: Be cautious of?
3: Be cautious of Jacoby Brissett. I've noticed lately that he's been kind of creeping up, especially this week, going into this week. And I know it's it's a nice matchup, but still. Going into this week, and a lot of people's boards, Jacoby Brissett's been in the top 18. As you can see on the graphic, I do not have him in the top 18. He's still Jacoby Brissett, okay? He still has one, maybe two guys to throw to, leaning on the running game. I know it's against Atlanta, but Atlanta's defense is not as bad as people think. let's not get let's not get carried away by trying to stream guys just because the quarterback position I know is hit or miss right now. But just let's just not go there, okay? And the tight ends, you're not playing Mike Kosicki. You're not playing the Saints tight end, period. That does it for those four matchups. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I got four more matchups to talk about in this look-ahead first half fantasy football weekly preview for week four. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor True Classic wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at TrueClassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together. So upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at TrueClassic.com with promo code BellyUpFantasy. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at TrueClassic.com with the promo code BellyUpFantasy. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic. Look good. Feel good.
4: is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
3: We are looking ahead on this Look Ahead Wednesday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. You can always check us out on your web browsing device if you go to bellyup.tv. You can find any episode you missed on demand when you download the Foxy Network app on LG, Roku, Samsung, and newly on Fire TV and look for the Billy Up Sports TV category. Or just stay up to date with the show. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, please give us a five-star review. It greatly helps out the show. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We've been talking about our first half matchup for week four, looking ahead as we were. So our four matchups that we're going to talk about in this segment are going to be the Seahawks and the Lions, the Titans versus the Colts, the Bears versus the Giants, and the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Philadelphia Eagles, the game of the week. Who would have thought that? Jacksonville Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles in the game of the week actually being excited for that matchup, not just from a fantasy standpoint. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Let's hit our obvious starters. Obvious starters.
4: Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Uh, the only person who's more obvious
3: than Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position would be Lamar Jackson at this point, even even more so than Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts has been fantastic. He's been getting the ball now to both guys over the past couple of weeks. Both A.J. Brown Devonta Smith have been able to eat. He's still getting his rushing touchdowns, so now... He becomes the only other quarterback besides Lamar Jackson, who has 300-plus passing yards and 100-plus rushing yards and a rushing touchdown and two-plus passing touchdowns, all in his range of outcomes every single week. That's called fantasy gold. And I got to love it. I got I got him in a few leagues, and I, I got to say I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, what about the running backs? So our lock-em-in, I'm sorry, our obvious starting running backs for this week for these matchups. Derrick Henry coming in as a tap five running back for me, number five right at the mark. I don't know if they're going to get him involved in the passing game the way that they did last week. But like I said in the recap show, the Sunday Funday recap show, I talked about what was good, what you could take out of that game, is that clearly the Titans made an effort to say Derrick Henry is our identity on offense, and we are going to make sure that he is used as such and get us going and help win them the game. I don't know if we'll see five catches again. We'll find out what happens. But for now, for Derrick Henry owners, you definitely like what you saw out of that. I got a question coming in. This has been a common couple of players that we've been talking about so far tonight. Swa. So he asked me, uh, should I hit the panic button on Kamara and Dal McCook?" And the answer to that is unequivocally no. Again, unless you have Nick Chubb, you've been kind of disappointed with the overall production you've been getting all, out of almost any top 10, top 12 running back so far. These guys are very talented. They will get it turned around. So, no. Do me a favor. Just in general, let's not hit the panic button on anything in fantasy football, or at least not on our top guys, Okay. If you want to hit the panic button on a Darnell Mooney, you know, somebody that you drafted as a as a positional low end two, high end three player, whether it've been a running back or a wide receiver or what the case may be, those and they're not performing, those guys you can hit panic buttons on. Don't hit panic buttons on top 12 talents. That we don't want to do. DJ Moore. DJ Moore is probably the highest ranked player right now that I am willing to say if he doesn't do it against Arizona, Maybe we'll hit the panic button on DJ Moore. Just just to give you guys a few examples. But don't do it on top 10 talents. Getting back to some of our top 10 talents for the week. uh, Another obvious starter, Jonathan Taylor. Now he popped up with a toe issue. He is the number one running back on our board. We are not worried about him not being available, let's say. So, we're good about Jonathan Taylor and, of course, Saquon Barkley, especially with his usage in both the rushing and the passing game, how great he's looked from an explosive standpoint. Saquon Barkley is our number two running back. That will pretty much stay the same for the most part. Val's the GOAT. He asked me, uh, should I trade Zeke and Gabe Davis for Waddle? No, I would not. Look, Waddle's been great. I am tantalized by the potential. Of a Gabe Davis, especially with the way Josh Allen is playing so far this season. And Zeke's been fine. Zeke's going to stay that low in RB2, RB3 guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if Gabe Davis is around the Waddle territory by the end of the season. So I would not do that deal. I, I, I want to see it out of Gabe Davis first before I make that move, personally. Let's move to our obvious wide receivers. Michael Pittman. Just the volume Florida he has is tremendous. He comes in, my wide receiver four on the week, and A.J. Brown, my wide receiver six on the week. Both these guys, great matchups, great receivers. You're locking them in. You love them. We love them all. Let's get into our lock them in players because I don't have any tight ends here sitting in the obvious category. Lock them in.
4: It's a lock.
3: I don't have any quarterbacks for the lock them in either, so my running backs for lock them in for these four matchups. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a lock in player for me this week. Look, he's been getting touchdowns, even with DeAndre Swift on the field. That hasn't hindered him at all from that notion. Now, all of a sudden, he might actually get involved more so in the passing game. Because between him and Craig Reynolds, Jamal Williams is a better pass protector, will likely get more involved. There's a real chance we're talking about Jamal Williams as a workhorse back. He's a top 12 running back for me this week. An RB1. That's where Jamal Williams goes. Plus, you know, you love the matchup here too. And that's also part of it. But if you got Jamal Williams off the waiver wire, you got a great play here this week. And he'll continue to be so until DeAndre Swift comes back. And remember, he has touchdown dependent, I'll grant you, but standalone value when Swift does return nonetheless. Uh, another question from Val's the goat. What about Zeke and Bateman that we're getting a little closer there. Zeke and Bateman. I would definitely do that for Waddle. We're getting a little bit closer there. I just wouldn't want to do it for Davis, but Zeke and Bateman, we're getting closer there. Let's talk about getting back to our lock of men's, the Chicago Bears situation. Now, whoever does play against the giants has to get played in your lineups. They are an RB two. And it's hard for me to say like where I have these guys ranked right now. Cause I mean, as of now, we're still ranking them as if David Montgomery is going to play. But if he doesn't, Khalil Herbert is a top 24 running back. I don't know if he cracks my top 12, but he's definitely going to be a high end RB2. And if David Montgomery does play, even on the injury, even not 100%, you can lock him in as the top 20 running back. So I'm playing these guys and locking him as my lineups either way, no matter who is what or is active. And then James Robinson, man. James, look, there's no way in the world James Robinson does not win most, you know, greatest comeback player of the year. Whatever that award is, I'm drawing a blank right now. But comeback player of the year is James Robinson. Pe- period. It can't be anybody else. As long as he stays healthy, I the fact that he's been able to come back as a running back off an Achilles injury and look this good from week one. Remember, Cam Akers, he's just getting going now. And he actually made a return last year. James Robinson makes his quick return, comes back week one, and he's just looks stronger as (laughs) over these last three weeks. You're locking him in as a top 20 running back, not just now, but for the rest of the season. It's not a great matchup here against Philly, so he's on the lower end of the RB2 side for me heading into the week, RB15, but more weeks than not, we're going to be talking about him as whether or not he's a top 12 guy. Then we got the wide receivers. So St. Brown... The reason I have St. Brown's to lock him in rather than an obvious starter is because we got to wait to see what the injury is, right? Because even if he goes out there, if he's dealing with the ankle issue, I'm not questioning the volume he'll get, but what he's able to do after the catch might come into a little bit more of a question for him. So we, we don't have him in our elite territory, but if he is playing, make sure he's locked into your lineups. Because if he is out there, it's not going to be on a, on a pitch count. And uh, this will be the last question I take as far as this trade goes, Val, because I just want to keep going on the show. I keep firing your questions, though, at MDFF show. I'd love to help you out. But uh, Marquise Brown and Bateman for Waddle, if he doesn't accept that. Yeah, I would also be good with that. If you can sell high on Marquise Brown, do it within the next couple of weeks. Because once Hopkins comes back, then you're looking at a guy who's more of a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside if he hits a big play that given week, rather than the lock him in wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside that he is until Hopkins comes back off his suspension. So if you can get him for a waddle, I would go ahead and pull the trigger on that deal for for the long-term of the season. If you need a win this week, I wouldn't necessarily do it. But if you need it for the long-term of the season, I would go ahead and do that. Uh, Next up, we got Christian Kirk. The way he's just getting utilized is a true featured-esque wide receiver. And whether I actually think he's talented, like a true number one wide receiver is or not, is irrelevant When you get utilized the way that he's getting utilized. And that's all that matters right now. He is the number one. He gets all over the field. Doug Peterson has made this offense go to him. Trevor Lawrence has looked better as a result of that. And Christian Kirk is somebody right now that has to be locked in your lives as a top 20 receiver every single week. Again, tougher matchup for him. He would usually be even higher for me than he is this week. And last but not least, Devonta Smith. I don't see any shape, way, or form you can put Devonta Smith on your bench after the last two weeks that he's had. So continue to play Devonta Smith there as a wide receiver, too. Don't expect, you know, the big blow-up weeks that you got last week every single week. But Hurst has shown you in this offense, he is good enough. This offense is now more open than it was last season to be able to feed two very fantasy-relevant options. That's the good news. You're you're locking him in your lineup, too. Then we get to the tight ends, and this is where I get a little bit nervous about telling you guys to lock guys in, but frankly, I don't know if you have a choice, and both these guys are really the same category. That's T.J. Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard. I don't have top five tight end hopes for these guys week in and week out. T.J. Hawkinson has the problem of he's just, there's a lot of guys to feed the ball to in Detroit right now. Now, that share is getting a little bit reduced, which is why I like Hawkinson a little bit more this week than I have the last couple. But with Dallas Goddard, you got a healthy A.J. Brown, a healthy Devonta Smith. You really need him to get in the end zone. But that could be said for a laundry list of tight ends outside the top five. And that's why with Hawkinson and Goddard, knowing their talent and knowing that unlike probably about 20 other tight ends out there, they're not in a tight end committee, which apparently has become a very big thing this year, which is what's killing the position more so than anything else, they're all by themselves. So you have to lock them in as top 10, even top eight plays almost every single week, even if they're not necessarily producing the way you'd hope for. But you have to play them. I doubt if you have one of these guys, you have a better option. So you have to make sure you lock them in. Let's get to some of the questions here. I'm not really sure about one of these questions. Swad, do me a favor and uh, retype that question so I get a better understanding of who it is you're talking about there. Another question, we got Tehran 16 Or I'm sorry, he's probably, oh, he's referring to Tehran. Okay. Uh, Teron16, 8-man PPR, Herbert, Cordero Patterson, Austin Eckler, Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddle, Zach Ertz, Deontay Johnson. Start a
0: journey, not a fad.
3: D.D. Lamb, Gabe Davis, Godwin, Kareem Hunt, Julio, I need a running back. What should I trade? I don't think you need a running back first and foremost, but if you really, really want a running back, then my my thing to you would be you'd package Deontay Johnson with a Kareem Hunt, and maybe you get to upgrade that way for somebody who's looking for some more players, but an eight-man league, eight-man league is hard to buy low on because everybody has such stacked teams. But I don't think you necessarily need a running back to be. To be honest with you, I, I, at least I would not go looking for one anyway. If you want to go two receivers for one, then we can talk about maybe you go a, a Gabe Davis and a Godwin or a Gabe Davis and a Deontay Johnson. And see what you can pull off there too. You don't have to go over shooting for the stars. If you want to try to go get you know an Alvin Kamara type or a Dalvin Cook type, then I would bump it up to a CeeDee Lamb and one of those other wide receivers too. That would be my general advice for you. Let's dive into our Lookout for players for these four matchups here. Lookout for. So look out for Jared Goff. He's a QB 11 right now in the season. And as a result, there's a lot of people who really want to play him. And he happens to be my quarterback 11 for this week too. Now, having said that, let's make sure we have the caveat of it's very much if St. Brown plays this week. If St. Brown does not play this week, Jared Goff will be well outside my top 12, probably outside my top 15. So just keep that in mind. Before you go dropping anything for Jared Goff to stream him this week, we got to see what happens by the end of the week with the practice reports before you go ahead and do that. So just bear, bear with me on that one. But he's been very good because Detroit has the great combination of a bad defense with, really good offensive weapons. All of a sudden, Jared Goff's a guy you can kind of plug and play. He's he's kind of along the similar lines of a Kirk Cousins, of a Derek Carr. Like what we've seen out of them the past couple of years, a high-end QB2 who you can kind of pick and choose the matchups and you'll get QB1 performances out of them for that. That's what Jared Goff is right now for this Detroit Lions team. And look, they're banged up right now, but Swift will be back eventually. St. Brown, he's not back this week, he'll be back eventually. Jameson Williams, who we haven't even seen come into the mix yet, We'll be back soon. So that's going to be the real interesting thing. So Jared Goff, maybe not necessarily this week if St. Brown can't go, but for the rest of the season, we're going to be talking about him quite a bit as a streaming option. And then Ryan Tannehill. So I called him last week. I said, look, he's going to get a rushing touchdown. So he has a floor. He did just that. That's going to be the key with Ryan Tannehill moving forward. With getting Derrick Henry back involved into the offense moving forward he just he has that floor to him. Now, does he have a big ceiling? No. Will he get the ceiling? I do think he'll get the ceiling at some point this year. I'm not playing Ryan Tannehill this week, just to be clear. But for the rest of the season, we're looking at which, what's your streaming options at the quarterback position. If Trelon Burks gets going, which I do think will be sooner rather than later, then we, then we might see Tannehill be able to replicate some of the fantasy goodness, not quite to that level, but some of the fantasy goodness we saw out of him previously in a couple of seasons with the Tennessee Titans. So keep that in mind. Things might start to pick up for Titans moving forward. Again, not this week, but just for rest of the season options. All right, so our lookout for our running backs. Seattle uh, Seattle's a nightmare. So Travis Homer goes on the IR, but in his absence last week, what happened? They didn't give Rashad Penny a lot more opportunities. They didn't give Kenneth Walker more opportunities. They annoyingly played DJ Dallas, which for the life of me, I can't figure out. And you know, having said that, I can't really figure out DJ Dallas, Travis Homer outside of special teams for the most part for these guys. But Rashad Penny should get the bulk of the work. He is an RB three for me this week in a nice matchup. It's just a matter of time before he gets injured and Kenneth Walker's the guy. So I want you guys to make sure you're holding on to Kenneth Walker. Don't fade away. Remember, he's still getting an NFL shape from being on that hernia. But in the meantime, Rashad Penny, it's a bit of a question mark what his workload is, because if everybody gets involved, that doesn't just mean Walker, that could also mean DJ Dallas. But for this week, if you have to play him in the flex, he's an option you can turn to. I do have him as a top 36 running back. We got Fantasy Z's sleepers. What's your thoughts on Jared Goff or Geno Smith as a flyer in DFS this week, I, I would, prefer, again, if St. Brown plays, I would prefer Jared Goff, And I'm sure there's a lineup that I'm going to have. Cause I, I you know, I, I, put like 20 of them out there every week. I'm sure there's a lineup I'm going to have where maybe Gino's in it. And we haven't talked about him yet. We, we will soon uh, in the be cautious of segments. So I'm going to wait to give my analysis for him on that. That's going to come up in the next few minutes, but I have a little bit of an interesting take on, on Gino Smith that you guys have to watch for. Travis Etienne is also my lookout for segment here for the running backs. Hasn't been what you draft him to be. I don't know if it's ever going to be unless James Robinson gets injured, but he is still running the majority of the routes. They're playing as the Philadelphia Eagles this week. This is going to be probably one of, if not the toughest matchup they face as far as run defenses go. So if there was ever a matchup that favored Travis Etienne over James Robinson, it would be this matchup. Now, I'm not ranking Travis Etienne over James Robinson. Do not get me twisted. But if you're in a PPR and you need a flex play this week, a game that which I think is either going to go back and forth or Jackson will have to come back from behind, Travis Etienne might have more space to work with as the pass catcher than James Robinson would. However, Is he that much more valuable than a J.D. McKissick, for instance, this week? No, he's really not. He's in that same territory. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're going through your lineups and seeing what is available to you. And then Miles Sanders. He's maddening. He really is, because he's efficient. Miles Sanders is efficient. He's getting the bulk of the work. The problem is he doesn't get to catch the ball. And getting a touchdown, well, he got one week one. Cool. Cool story, bro. He's an RB3 because he gets the work that he does and he's efficient with the work that he does, but that's it. He doesn't really have a ceiling. You could play him the flex, but because he also doesn't catch the ball, if you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, kind of has a bad floor, too. So he gets put in this weird situation where you're starting running back in the NFL and you're good but you're still not good for fantasy football purposes. It's a maddening situation. And unfortunately, because of that, he's not a must start for me in any of our lineups. You pick and choose what you have available to you. Now we get to the wide receivers. Look out for. So of course, you know, last week I had the Seattle receivers in my be cautious of segment saying, you know, I don't want to play them. If you can at all help it. And then of course, DK Metcalf scores. Tyler Lockett has a second solid game in a row. And some of this is going to go into what I'm going to talk about in Geno Smith in just a little bit. But that's what you're hoping for at a DK. He's got a score. There's really no difference between DK Metcalf and Adam Thielen to me this year. Except for Adam Thielen has a higher floor because, well, he's got Kirk Cousins at quarterback versus Geno Smith. It's weird to say that. It's a shame that I have to say that, but it's the truth of the matter. So is DK Metcalf a touchdown-dependent wide receiver three in a decent matchup this week to play him as a flex? Sure. Same thing with Tyler Lockett, who does look like he's built up a little bit more of a rapport here with his route running where he's been targeting on the field. Gino, remember, remember last year in those first four games or those only four games that Gino kind of played for Russell Wilson? He was still kind of trying to take shots with DK Metcalf. That's why he had a couple you know, bomb games still without Russell. And Tyler Lockett kind of kept getting left by the wayside, but that was never who Geno Smith was as a quarterback. The guy he usually is as a quarterback is, he plays it safe, he stays within 10 to 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, and he likes to throw the middle of the field, and that screams Tyler Lockett. Well, that's what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. So right now, this could be the last week that I have DK Metcalf ranked ahead of Lockett. But both are wide receiver threes for me heading into this matchup. I also have Traylon Burks. So I don't love the match against the Colts necessarily, and I thought he'd have a better game against the Raiders. But coming out of that game, you had guys like Teron Davenport and other insiders who follow the team all kind of echoing the same thing. They're echoing Traylon Burks is going to get more utilized soon. Todd Downing wants to get Burks going. He looks good. He's caught up in the offense now. He's paid his dues at this point. He's a first-round rookie. They got to get him going. They need that spark in the offense in the pass game. I talked about that last week. They still didn't really get it, but Derrick is able to do just enough for them. Burks is going to be that guy. Burks is going to be their wide receiver one. And when I say the Sunday Funday recap, I was like, look, Burks didn't have the game I was looking for for him to have against the Raiders, but what it did do was open up the door for you guys to buy low on him for at least one more week. That is still my recommendation. He's got big play after the catch ability. He will be the number one target receiver of that team before long. And now you got the coaching staff talking about the fact that he's got to be that guy, that they got to make him that guy. So this week he's a wide receiver four, for me. But he is a flex worthy option depending upon what kind of league you're in, and he's a guy I want moving forward. Then we get Richie James. <laughs> we get Richie James. Richie James actually makes this show as a look for, look out for player going into the week. I don't think Tony's going to play. I don't think Wandell Robinson's going to play. We know Sterling Shepard's done. Kenny Galladay is like, you have a paycheck that's big enough to keep you on the roster, but that's about it. David Sills is, does nothing. He he can run out there. He's like Brian Edwards. He could, he's on the field. You'll see him pop up in the snap reports and the usage reports, but he doesn't actually do anything. Richie James has been somewhat productive already this season. He's gonna have to be the guy. If you're in full point PPR leagues and you need a guy that you can kind of throw in your flex play as a wide receiver for with with some upside, I might add. Richie James is going to be a play for me, and I I'm gonna be hard pressed to not have him in a lot of my DFS lineups too. At that, just to kind of throw that out there. Richie James, the the Giants wide receiver group is just, man, is that brutal. How about this guy though? How about Zay Jones? Looking out for him. He got 10 targets last week. Now two out of three weeks, he's been heavily targeted within his offense. We talk about Christian Kirk and how he's getting featured. And that's true. But this is still a high volume passing attack right now. Zay Jones is the guy who's taking advantage when Christian Kirk is not getting the ball thrown his way for a change. Marvin Jones is old. The time has I, I never thought the time would come because for some somehow, some way, he just finds a way to hang on. But Marvin Jones is officially old. Zay Jones is that next guy. He's going to consistently be in that wide receiver for territory that you can kind of plug and play him in spot starts when we get bye weeks coming in, injuries, flex things, things of that nature. I don't want to play him if I have a full healthy roster, but he is in that you need to have him on your roster territory. Let's get into our Be Cautious Of for these matchups here. Be cautious of. So be cautious of Geno Smith. We don't want to play Geno Smith. And this is the reason I have the interesting take. So I know that they talked about they want to unleash things, right? They did. They opened it up last week. He threw the ball 44 times. The Seattle offense actually moved the ball. It was successful. But if you throw the ball 40 plus times with Geno Smith enough, that's when he gets exposed. That's when the fact that he's not a very good NFL starting quarterback comes out. And you start getting turnovers. You start losing leads quickly in games. So that's why I worry from that perspective. He's not good enough to open up the offense to that level every single week. I know this week he's going to be tempting for some people out there. I'm telling you, refrain. Don't buy in. Do I want him to keep that volume for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's sake? Yes, absolutely. But if this continues on every single week, it will expose Geno Smith in a way that Seattle's not going to be happy about. And then they very well might revert back to being a run-first team. So that's why we got to be cautious of Geno Smith. I'm also going to be cautious of Matt Ryan. So it gets a little bit of a better week as Michael Pittman back. He's just never going to be a streaming option for me ever. And then Trevor Lawrence. I like Trevor Lawrence as a top 18, maybe even a top 16 quarterback the rest of the season, who does have a little bit of upside if he continues to put this all together and will be a guy who's in the high end QB two range when they have plus matchups. The problem is this is not a plus matchup. The Jaguars offensive line is still suspect. The Eagles put a lot of pressure on their team. They have Probably one of, if not the best, secondary in all of the NFL. This is not a matchup in which I'm looking to stream a quarterback against. Okay, Even if Trevor Lawrence has been playing a lot better. So avoid him this week, but I do have some interest for the rest of the season. Did have a question coming in here from Brandon C. Thoughts? 12-team full-point PPR. Antonio Gibson, A.J. Brown, Chase Claypool, and Akers... For Mixon, Dallas Goddard, Gabe Davis, and Devontae Parker. So there's a big four eight player deal going on here. Um look, yeah, you get you get Mixon if you need an RB one. I get that. You're trying to sell off Gibson. Or, I'm sorry, you get you get Mixon as an RB one. You're trying to sell off Gibson. The problem here is that you don't get adequate compensation for AJ Brown back and i don't like Devontae parker so devonte parker is a throwaway so is claypool i guess so i guess it's not too bad i'd say all in all it's a pretty fair deal it's just a matter of did you need the rb1 more did you, did you need the wide receiver one more that that's what it comes down to if you need that rb1 more brandon c then that was a fine that was a fine trade let's keep this thing going here be cautious of wide receivers DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds. So, here's the problem. I don't know where that's coming from. Here, Here's... Sorry about that, guys. Here's the problem. If St. Brown is out, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, they're going to be on everybody's radar. But, one or the other is going to go off. It's not going to be both. And trying to just figure out which one it is, I think is more of a nightmare than people realize. I think people are leaning towards it being Josh Reynolds because he had a nice week last week when St. Brown got a little bit nicked up, and I understand that, but DJ Chark's been the guy playing. And if they have a full week to game plan, they might go back to featuring DJ Chark as that number one wide receiver, not Josh Reynolds, who they they brought in Chark to be that guy next to St. Brown for for that reason. One of them's going to have a good game. I just think it's a dealer's choice on which one it's going to be. It's like flipping a coin. And therefore, for that reason, I don't want to really plug either one into my lineups because whichever one doesn't hit, is going to be a serious dud for you. So that's why I'm being cautious of them. Be cautious with Robert Woods. I know he was the top targeted receiver last week for the Tennessee Titans. There's just no upside to his game. I thought they would pepper him more, use him kind of like they did Corey Davis. For, for that year where they can kind of utilize a second receiver, just have it be a safety blanket for them. They're just not throwing the ball enough. They're still trying to get Traylon Burks going. I just don't like Robert Woods right now in general. I'm not starting any other Colts wide receiver, not named Michael Pittman and Darnell Mooney. How the mighty have fallen, but what are you going to do? What are you supposed to do when your quarterback is not allowed to throw the ball more than 20 times in a game? Even 20 times. He still hasn't done that. He hasn't even got 20 attempts in a game. What are you supposed to do as a wide receiver? And I don't know that it gets better. That's the problem. I said this last week. If you want to dump Mooney, you can. I'm okay with keeping him just to see if this thing can course correct itself if you're not getting pushed to drop him. But if you need to make a roster move, Mooney can say bye-bye. And then the tight ends. You're not starting a Seattle tight end. You're not starting a Tennessee tight end. You're not starting a Colts tight end. Talk about tight ends with committees. All of them have committees. And with the Colts, I know Jelani Woods had two touchdowns the other day. I'm hoping you guys aren't buying into that when you realize that he still played the least out of all the tight ends. It's still Mo cox Kyle Granson still gets involved. It's a total crapshoot. It's like playing roulette. You have no idea. And then Cole Komet. like Mooney. How's Cole Komet supposed to do anything when the team won't throw the ball even 20 times in a game? That does it for the Look Ahead Wednesday. Let's hit the mailbag segment real quick before we close down the show. Time, mail time. The mail's here. So like it is every single week, every single Wednesday and Thursday, we have a mailbag segment here at the end. I always take your questions during the show as I have been all night long, but if you want to get your questions answered in at Show on social media, doesn't matter where, that's the same username we have for everything. We'll answer your questions, and then I'll pick out a few to you know that I like a lot, and I'll put them on the show. So first up, I had Dan, and I picked him purely because you have the same name as me. Uh, Dan, that's not true, but it's funny. Marcus Mariota or Tom Brady? So this has been a question I've gotten through the last couple of weeks, and I've been going Marcus Mariota because Tom Brady's been a must-stay away. But if I could pull up the graphic here real quick, you'll see that Tom Brady, for the first time since week one, is in my top 10. In fact, I have him as my QB8 this week. So it's definitely Tom Brady for me. He gets Mike Evans back. The big thing I took out of Russell Gage last week is that he's finally healthy. So you have two healthy weapons, and who knows? There's an outside chance that maybe Chris Godwin could even make a return himself. But even if not, Mike Evans, Russell Gage should be enough this week to make Tom Brady return to top 10 status. Something we'll talk about more in tomorrow's show. Next question, Montreal Machine He asked me, Miles Sanders for Kareem Hunt, and I told him 100% yes. I'd rather be able to play Kareem Hunt in my last moving forward than Miles Sanders. He's got more upside if Chubb gets hurt. And frankly, even as the second running back on his own team, I think he's got more week-to-week, predictable, standalone value than Miles Sanders does too. Last question of the mailbag. Devin, Brandon Cooks or Romeo Dobbs rest of season? I like this question because it emphasizes an overreaction. I love Romeo Dobbs. I've been talking about him all offseason long. And he has a real chance here to be truly the number one targeted receiver of the Green Bay Packers, which has a lot of value. But Brandon Cooks is the guy. Brandon Cooks, no matter what offense he's been in, no matter what quarterback he's had to put up with, finds a way to put up top 20-ish wide receiver numbers week in, week out. I know it was a dud week last week. This is why we don't overreact. Look at his numbers over the last season, over what he's done over his career. Brandon Cook's still very much the guy I'd rather have over Romeo Dobbs for the rest of this season. And we'll cap it off. I did get two questions here on the YouTube chat. What defense could I get off the waivers to replace either Eagles or St. Steve don't like either of their matchups? Well, first and foremost, uh, I'm playing the Eagles defense. I don't know why you don't like the Eagles matchup against the Jaguars. They had a bad offensive line. There's going to be a lot of sacks and Trevor Lawrence is done the, the turnover of the ball. So I'm not really sure why you'd look to replace the Eagles defense this week. I would play them. So I wouldn't even worry about it. And then Carmine 23. Should I trade Tyree kill and Pierce for cup? If you could trade anything for Cooper cup, go ahead and do it. That would be, that would be my advice. That's going to close down the show guys. Thank you so much for the questions. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern, like we always are, with the Clairvoyant Thursday, the second half weekly preview for Week 4 from a fantasy football perspective. Tune us in, simulcast us during the Thursday night game. I don't care what you do, but make sure you hit the show. If you don't, download us on your favorite podcast app to keep up to date, or you can catch us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app on LG, Samsung, Roku, or newly on Fire TV. That's going to do it for me today, guys. Everyone take care. We'll see you tomorrow night.